This week's podcast is brought to you by Avast, a global leader in digital security and family safety solutions for network operators and their customers. We live in a truly digital world. Today's consumers don't care whether they're connected on their home Wi-Fi, at the mall, or on the beach. They expect their providers to protect their online lives at all times. Avast has over 15 years of experience delivering award-winning security solutions to network operators around the world. With over 435 million users globally, their advanced AI security leverages threat data from the world's largest consumer threat detection network. AI-based security is deployed at the device, router, and 5G edge network to provide a comprehensive and fully converged solution for all devices. Consumers enjoy peace of mind wherever they go and however they connect. Work with Avast to enable a simple, single solution to the complex, connected world of tomorrow. Learn more at avast.com partners. That's A-V-A-S-T dot partners. Welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. This is Phil Harvey. I'm an editor here at Light Reading, and joining me on the podcast today is Colt Technology Services' new CEO, Carrie Gilder. Uh, she is going to talk about Colt's opportunities in 5G, uh, its SD-WAN business, and other opportunities that she sees for the companies uh, now that she's been appointed CEO. Uh, she's been at the company 18 months before uh, joining Colt. She was the uh, uh, vice president uh, in charge of Siena's uh, Europe Middle East and Africa business. So she's been in the carrier space uh, or the telecom space uh, for a bit. And she certainly uh, has uh, some ideas on how Colt will continue to uh, expand and also take advantage of its uh, assets and physical infrastructure in many European markets. Uh, So you'll hear all of that and much, much more coming up right after the break. Welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. Uh, this is Phil Harvey, and I'm joined today by uh, Carrie Gilder, the new CEO of Colt Technology Services. Carrie, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And congratulations on the uh, promotion. Um, it's been you've been at Colt now 18 months. That's correct. So this is a very quick uh, ascension. Uh, you were the chief commercial officer, and now suddenly you're you're running the whole thing. Yes, it, it was a pretty quick ascension. I think what we were able to do was um, build a strategy. Uh, Carl, myself, the leadership team came together very quickly uh, when I hired on 18 months ago as the CCO. We were able to drive the strategy around the high bandwidth uh, solutions that we had and expand into some you know newer markets like the hyperscale markets and uh, double click or what I call double down on markets like uh, Market Prism and our capital market. So I think okay. what I was able to do is, is show some progression pretty quickly around the business, drive into some new markets, and uh, that enabled some success for us over the last uh, six months uh, financially. So well, let's uh, talk about one uh, market that, that our audience is interested in because it's a growth market for just about everybody in the food chain, or at least it's changing 
um, the way they do what they do. So um, what, even though Colt's not going to be a mobile operator, what are the opportunities for Colt as it relates to 5G networks and people building out in 5G? I think uh, one of the leaders at AT&T once said that as the world becomes more wireless, it actually becomes more wired. And that is the opportunity. <laughs> that is the opportunity for a cult. Uh, our, our asset uh, in the metros is quite uh, dense. And so as 5G and even the emerging solutions that will uh, be adjacent to 5G, like smart city applications and edge computing rollouts, there's going to be a significant need for more uh, fiber densification and driving to those uh, small cells or those uh, uh, edge data centers. And so the play for us is really further um, further densification and driving our, our metro asset uh, into uh, the 5G uh, operators and, and helping them to expand uh, their networks uh, as they roll out small cells. It's interesting. Um, uh, I, in, my, in my head, I was thinking, okay, 5G is definitely going to, like you said, drive enterprise for sure, but also... Um, you know, any hall type applications. It, it didn't occur to me that smart cities, uh, but, uh, but yeah, smart cities are going to be such a, uh, uh, an area where densification is really going to win. Um, I, I guess that, that, that bodes well for Colt, especially in, in, in London and other Metro markets where it, it, when those small cells are put in your, your facilities are very, very close by. They are. And if you look at uh, just street furniture alone, that's where mm -hmm. small cells will go. They'll go, you know, they'll go into street furniture, the light posts, et cetera, that are, are down the streets. And we have fiber uh, across many of the streets within the major metros within Europe and Asia. Mm -hmm. um, so another uh, big uh, area that uh, Colt has been pretty innovative in is SD-WAN. Um, but it's also one of those markets where literally every service provider, every vendor, um, and probably a, a whole category of companies I'm forgetting has an SD-WAN product or, or version of it um, out. Um, the market's quite, quite saturated, at least in theory. Um, what's the, the, the thing that Colt brings to the market that gives it uh, some sort of edge in that space? Well, I think the, the first thing I would say is that Colt was the first operator to provide a managed SD-WAN uh, service overlay across Europe in particular, and that was in January of 2017. Um, our project started back in May 2016, so SD-WAN is not a new project, uh, new product for us. It's actually, you know, many years old, and what that gives us an advantage on is innovation. So. As the new VNFs comes out, as you know, universal CPE starts coming to the forefront, um, you know, we again are one of the first that are testing that, that are, are building the solutions around that, and we're enabling a full suite of enterprise uh, products, whether they be voice or data, in order to go and drive the ultimate digital journey and solution for the customer. So, you know, two of the things we rolled out recently are VoIP optimization and this allows businesses to optimize their network and their voice infrastructure for you know very good virtual meeting experiences just like this mm -hmm. right. <laughs> and then, um, you know we rolled out dual IP uh, version 4 and IP version 6 and again that allows our customers to uh, have a stack that supports 
uh, a flexible uh, design for their WANs uh, with IP version four today and future proofing for IP version six uh, in the future. So, you know, we, we, we are continually innovating on what this looks like. Um, and I think if you look at the cloud, for example, uh, what we're offering is, is true on demand. And I think there's two aspects. One is on demand from a bandwidth perspective where you can mm -hmm. turn bandwidth up and down with literally the touch of a button mm -hmm. and, and you can, you can buy that for an hour or you can buy it for, you know, days, depending on what your requirements are. And I think, you know, we're one of the first ones that have really enabled that level of flexibility and it's very cloud-like. So, uh, when we look at working with uh, some of our partners uh, and data center vendors and the cloud providers, the hyperscalers, this is really coming to the forefront when you're looking at um, cloud uh, migrations from on-prem uh, to, you know, uh, to, to the cloud. Okay. Um, it is uh, the, the, like you said, the maturity of the product set is definitely working in your favor, but the world is slightly different now. Does, does the, does the, um, does the way that you address the market with that product change now that so many people are working remotely and indications are that that entire teams of people's and people in some companies are going to stay remote um, and that's that's definitely going to uh, uh, that that seems like it's going to change but I'm not I'm not smart enough to know how that changes for for the on the operator side I think it does you know I think I I think what it changes is just that access point. You know, where is the access point now? Where the, you know, where that where that bandwidth resides, and and where does it where does it shift? And what we saw was a shift to the, you know, to the internet service providers, the ISPs, and to the CDN networks once we moved into a virtual environment. And so, you know, you may not need as much bandwidth to the tall shiny building in the metro. Uh, but you will still need it, you know, to the data center and to the uh, service provider. And the good news is, is Colt is in a position where we can provide um, all of that or any of that, depending on uh, what you need. I do think it will change. Uh, we did a survey with our employees uh, recently, and uh, it was a resounding uh, more than a third actually wanted to stay in a full work from home environment. Mm. So. And I think you have the likes of Twitter who are saying, you know, yes, we're, we're going to move to a full uh, work from home environment, whether that's reality or not, we don't know. But I do think that the mobility of the user and where the enterprise customer is now is going to change. Yeah. Well, Twitter is based, uh, based in South of Market in San Francisco. So I would speculate there, even though they're saying they work from home, I, I think there are people that are still stuck in traffic from before the pandemic. Actually, they're, they're just, <laughs> they're right. still in their car. They're like, I'm, I'm going to, I know I'm late. I'm going to get there eventually. But uh, so may, maybe it, it takes us a few months to be able to tell in, in their specific case. Um, I, I lived and worked in that area for a little while and, and uh, I don't really miss it. It was, uh, it was, it was, it's quite a lot of people trying to get into that city. Um, the, uh, uh, but anyway, back to that, uh, that reality, um, in Colt's case specifically, um, is that changing your workforce, or are are you all about to become uh, more uh, more distributed uh, in that way because folks are deciding they can work from home more often, or maybe all the time? 
I mean, one one of the things we're definitely look at looking at is our uh, is our flexibility around um, working. You know, ways of working, mm-hmm. uh, where you work, when you work. Uh, I think that is all going to go. It is going to change. It already has changed. And what we found is that um, we, when we were able to move quickly uh, within, literally, it was within 48 hours, we almost had our entire workforce working from home. Mm-hmm. And when we did that, of course, there's a bit of fear that productivity is going to go down. But what we actually saw was the exact opposite. Um, we saw an increase in productivity. And whether that was because um, you know, people are no longer commuting. They're possibly right. getting much more sleep uh, than they were before um, yeah. because of that, um, or, or because the reality was, you know, we are seen as critical infrastructure, and we had a job to do. You know, we needed to secure the environment for the for the for the healthcare centers, the hospitals, you know, the the grocery stores, the banks, for all of those critical elements of society to keep it going. Uh, we had to move quickly. And so we had to move our employee base quickly. And then that we had this ultimate goal to make sure that, you know, society continued uh, to, to, to communicate. And, um, and so what we're looking at now is what's best for our employee base to, Mm. to make that, um, you know, that, that continue. Okay. Um, Let's talk about expansion. That's always a, a, you know, because we we've traditionally known Colt as a, a pan-European uh, operator, and um, and recently you've uh, Colt's expanded into the U.S. Um, you know, do you continue to make further inroads into the U.S. and into North America generally, or what's the what's sort of guiding your expansion outside of Europe? So we expanded in the United States in 2018, and that was really driven by our customer base. Um, one, we wanted to create a true global uh, connectivity backbone, you know, for the enterprise. The enterprise is our ultimate customer, and we wanted to enable that, you know, extension between Europe and Asia uh, to include, you know, some some transit connectivity within the U.S. So we did that expansion. And since then, um, what we've done is really looked at it from a market perspective. So we will go where our customers need us. Uh, Will we be proactive about expanding uh, and and, uh, have a a build it and they will come kind of scenario? Uh, That's that's not part of our philosophy going forward. We definitely uh, have, you know, some some virtual uh, reality and some AI and a lot of fancy tools that are telling us where to build, but the reality is it comes down to our customers. Okay, um, that that's as good good an answer as any. You, you follow uh, follow wherever your customers tell you to go. Um, what? Uh, uh, so this is a uh, you know we started to get into this a little bit earlier, but uh, what changes for you between your job as chief commercial officer and your job as uh, as CEO? And then uh, um, you know how how does you know, because in one role you're sort of focused on uh, delivering and and sort of producing commercially. On the other role, um, as as one somebody on my team said, now you have to answer to everyone for everything. <laughs> so, so yeah. I'm I'm curious how you're how you're sort of managing that transition. Well, first of all, I do a lot of meditation and yoga, so <laughs> that helps. Yeah, yeah. that helps first and foremost. Um, but you know what I would say is 
the, the big difference between the two roles, like you said, you know, one's very functional and you're in the, you, you are even at the higher levels, you're still in quite a bit of detail around uh, that particular function. Um, in the CEO job, I actually have the opportunity to think broader across the organization to think about how we can uh, drive uh, a strategy, you know, for the next three to five years and work across the teams in an extremely collaborative, collaborative manner in order to make that happen. Um, you know, but right now it's uh, it's interesting times. I said it's it's always exciting to become a CEO, but it's uh, it's definitely uh, interesting to become a CEO during a pandemic. Yeah. So, you know, first and foremost uh, is the health and safety of our employees and making sure that our employees and our suppliers, as they are uh, going out into the field and, uh, and turning up um, connectivity for our customers, uh, that they are safe and that as we do, uh, go into re-entry into the workplace uh, that we create that environment um, for them to be, you know, successful from a health and safety uh, perspective going forward. So I think what it does is it just broadens your perspective, uh, enables some more time to think, and uh, and it gives you a, a broader scope as far as uh, driving your strategy forward. Yeah, it's definitely a um, uh, yeah. You said timing. It, it couldn't. It, it, it's it's definitely a. a an interesting time because you're, you're going to manage to really, um, uh, I guess monumental transitions, you know, the transition back into, you know, kind of what we would, whatever the new normal looks like. And then, uh, and then whatever's after that, you know, kind of resetting expectations and, you know, and, and maybe even changing the business to fit those expectations. So those are, those are two pretty, pretty big agenda items. I didn't mean to stress you out. I'm just, just, it, it's just so uh, I have stupid questions for you and I, I know you don't have time for this, but uh, that this, uh, this is, this is just what happens. Um, uh, it's a light reading interview. So what do you, what do you do? Um, are you, are any relation to George Gilder? Do you have a, a secret newsletter project that we should know about? I, I, not that I know of, but okay. maybe I should go and uh, do some sort of uh, heritage <laughs> or something like that and find out if I'm related. <laughs> I, I wouldn't, uh, yeah, you, you, you could be, but I, I wouldn't recommend the newsletter bit. Publishing is <laughs> a terrible business. Um, best advice for managing people, especially now, uh, because that's a, 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 you know, I think something that that CEOs are going to be judged on increasingly, at, at, you know, as we as we work our way out of the, the effects of the pandemic. I think uh, there's, there's two elements. Uh, for the here and now that I think are, are extremely important. One is uh, ensuring that you're considering the mental health of your employee. Mm -hmm. And um, because I think that's, that it's critical. And as many of, much of the world has been in isolation for now months, mm -hmm. um, it becomes very difficult uh, for, uh, for a human being because we're such social you know, we're, we are such social beings. We like that 3D engagement versus this screen time that is can be quite fatiguing at times. So, you know, first and foremost, I think the mental health uh, is something that all managers uh, should be considering right now. And a part of that is ensuring that uh, communications, and I'm not saying this because I'm now the CEO of Colt, I'm saying this because I truly believe that um, communication is a critical health factor in order to ensure that mental 
mental health going forward. And I think if you can concentrate on those two things and provide both formal and informal ways of interacting with your teams during this time, uh, you know, have a, have a, a virtual drink session or have a virtual coffee chat. I think those a lot in this in this time and just, you know, genuinely letting them know that you're thinking about them and caring about them is is the thing um, going forward. And what I've always thought prior prior to pandemic is it's important to be open to diversity of thought and to be an active listener. I think as a manager, we like to talk a lot and we like to give our opinions. Uh, but really, as a manager, your most important uh, your most important capability is to listen and then to uh, remember that your purpose at the end of the day is to serve them and to help them be successful. And if you can do that, then at the end of the day, you'll ultimately um, benefit from their success. That sounds excellent. Um, so uh, something I saw on your LinkedIn page was uh, that you uh, you mentioned that uh, one of the things in your high school background was that you were either the mascot or you. Oh my god! What what? what <laughs> and and because it's in New Mexico, it's Carlsbad. I I I and I happen to come from a, a string of schools with terrible mascots. So this is very interesting to me. So were you a mascot? And what was your, what was the school and the mascot name? I was a mascot. Yes, I was uh, for my high school, if you can believe that. Excellent. And um, it was terrible. It was terrible. I was the um, I was the Carlsbad caveman. <laughs> so you were a caveman. <laughs> I was a caveman. This is, awesome. this is better than I thought it would be. I thought it was going to be like tigers or something. Oh, this is great. <laughs> Well, so mine was uh, in middle school uh, in here, here in North Texas. It was we were delay harvesters, and then it got even worse because we became Louisville fighting farmers. And fighting farmers, excellent. I don't know why anybody would want to be a fighting farmer. It just seems, uh, you know, I, I never think of farmers as the fighting type. But uh, no, I don't either. I think I'm quite gentle, actually. Usually. So hopefully, you had like a a a, a big. Uh, a proper costume. I had a, I had a pr proper head. It was so hot. It was extremely <laughs> hot. Caveman suits with a, a proper head, a caveman hat or a mask with big hair. Yeah, it's, it's quite a picture. I hope I hope one of those pictures never gets out. But no, yes, <laughs> probably not. But that's uh, this this is the uh, the 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 level of research we can we can afford for some things, but uh, but not for others. You can't I, I can't I can't be bothered with uh, with uh, muxing questions about you know optical fiber. But you get me get me going on high school mascots. I'm I'm there for okay. it. Why um, not? Okay, Carrie Gilder, thanks uh, very much for your uh, for your time and insights today, and uh, best of luck at Colt. Thank you very much. I appreciate the time, and uh, hope everybody stays uh, healthy and safe. I want to thank Avast for sponsoring this week's podcast. SmartLife, a fully converged solution for digital security, is deployed at the device, router, and 5G edge network perimeter, enabling their award-winning security solutions to protect your customers' entire digital lives. Together, Avast and partners can build products and services people can trust and will keep coming back to. 
Let Avast help you build a safer digital world for your customers. Discover more at avast.com slash partners. That's A-V-A-S-T dot com slash partners. That is it. That's our show. Thanks very much to Colt CEO Carrie Gilder for her time and insights today. Uh, thanks to our producer, Tian Fu, because if it weren't for him, you wouldn't be hearing any of this. Thank you, dear listener, because if you weren't paying attention, we wouldn't be able to get away with doing all of this at work or at home or wherever we might be. Please do tell a friend to subscribe. And thank you very much for listening to the Light Reading Podcast. <laughs>